Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Afrotech 2018. San Francisco, California. Eric Moore, managing director at Base Ventures, is in an Afrotech founder and investors lounge taking questions about how to successfully pitch a VC. And he offers some words of wisdom for new founders looking to raise an early seed round. Don't come uh, to an investor without some sort of a product. I mean, these days it doesn't take that much money to build a product. And if you don't have the money, you can probably find, or theoretically you should be able to find, an engineer that can help you build a product. Uh, and then, so even if it's a, an MVP, uh, you know, a minimum viable product or the alpha version of what you're building, uh, it's going to be a lot more helpful and you will stand out that much more if you have that already built before approaching a potential investor. I'm Will Lucas. This is Black Tech, Green Money. I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Malcolm Etheridge is a certified financial planner, speaker, and blogger. And his areas of expertise include retirement planning, investment portfolio development, tax planning, insurance, stock options, and other executive benefits. He leverages that expertise to help senior managers and tech workers make sense of some of the most complex financial situations that working professionals tend to face. On a recent lunch table live discussion, which you're about to hear, I asked Malcolm about what exactly equity is and if there are any unique traits of equity when you work for a tech startup. Yeah, so so equity comp used to be unique to the tech industry. I'm, I'm learning uh, as time goes on that millennials specifically, right? We got folks who are 
28, 30, 32, 35, let's say 28 to 35, I'll give as the window who are working for companies right now who maybe aren't in tech, but they have uh, friends who are, and they're seeing the money that their friends are making and the fortunes that are being created from owning equity in the company that they work for. And so they're starting to demand themselves, regardless of what the shop is, that the company pay them in equity. So a lot of companies outside of the tech sphere are also jumping on the bandwagon now and offering that. But in Silicon Valley, right, I'll use Silicon Valley as the general broad, right, uh, uh, grouping, even though folks in tech are working in Texas and Florida and God knows where else at this point. But like, it used to be that that was something that was reserved for those people in Silicon Valley in tech companies and they refused to work for a company that didn't offer them a piece of the pie, right? And so I wanna own a piece of the work product that I am helping to create. I sign all these agreements when I come in the door that say, I can't take any of the work product with me, right? If I create some service or some feature, some app, Google lets you do your 10% time, right? If I create Google Maps or Gmail during my 10% time, I can't take that with me, Google owns it. But at least I get to participate in the upside and the value creation that that add-on I created happens to generate over time by owning equity in the shop. And so it's kind of, you know, everybody's happy, right? On both sides. When, when you say, let's say I created a feature in mm -hmm. Gmail and I work for Google and let's not just leave it's Google, let's say any startup, I create sure. a, a feature that becomes a thing. How valuable could that be? You know, both to the company and to me as an individual who's on the payroll here, like how, Talk, can you talk about some instances where that could actually provide like a serious windfall? Oh folks? my God, yeah. So I'll I'll give you a real specific example. I won't give too many details to, to not tell anybody's life story for them, but I happen to uh, have a client who worked for Coinbase for a while, right? Uh, we all know Coinbase IPO'd recently and uh, to big acclaim, right? On, on day one, I can't remember what the starting price was supposed to be, something like 40 bucks. And it shot all the way up to like close to 300 on, on this first day of trading. So this particular person, his net worth was about $100,000 before Coinbase IPO. Coinbase IPOs and he's now an eight millionaire. So like, just think about like how life changing that money is for somebody in their thirties who like had student loans, suddenly they don't, didn't own a home, suddenly they do didn't even have the word legacy anywhere close to the tip of their tongue and now they do right so like those kind of things are what happens from being that close to value creation so the rule i won't call it a rule but one of the things i always tell people who are like you know i want to get rich right i want to work and get rich you can save your way to about two to three million dollars over the course of a 35 or so year career by diligently saving not spending anything crazy. Like I, I've seen it happen. I have clients that are in their 60s now. They've been working really hard. They command a high salary. They don't spend anything crazy. And they have about two and a half to $3 million that they've saved over time doing it the, the quote unquote right way. You wanna go beyond that $3 million threshold. You're either gonna have to be attached to some sort of value creation, right? So you're one of the first employees at a company that ends up doing something big or you're going to have to do it in real estate by holding on to assets for a very long time and allowing them to appreciate until one day you look up and on paper you're worth a ton and you start liquidating that stuff. Those are the two ways that I personally have seen 
where clients have like significant life-changing lineage changing money that happens and more to the point you were making when we first started one of the ways that 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 allows you to be attached to that value creation as it's happening is you own uh, uh, an interest in the company that you're working for. So if I'm at, you know, Microsoft, I'll use as an example because it's a popular enough company, and uh, uh, I own shares of Microsoft. I worked there for five years. I accumulate, you know, half a million dollars worth of shares in the five years that I'm there. I leave, but I don't sell them. I, I hang on to them. And then we all have seen what the FANG stocks, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google have, have done, Microsoft included in that bucket. They've, you know, quadrupled over like that, that 10 year span that the NASDAQ has been on this run. That's life-changing money for some people, right? Your $500,000 worth of equity you had as part of your total comp package that came to you when you came on board is now $2 million by yeah. you going along for the ride. That's life-changing money versus you work as a software engineer. I pay you $180,000. The IRS takes half of it, depending on what state you live in, right? And your 180 turns into 90,000 and it's up to you to decide how to spend that 90,000 to make sure you keep a piece of it. But it's really not likely to continue to grow at the ridiculously outsized rate as you owning equity in something where constantly new products are being created, new ideas are being kicked around. All that is happening while you're asleep, frankly, like you're not contributing anymore. You left the company, but the value creation is still happening without you. But because you were tied to it at one point, you still get to reap the benefits. That's how the game is won. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then, trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The one million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the One Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer 
at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So who, actually I'm going to ask two questions in one, which I hate to do, but I think you can handle this, is who has leverage to ask for equity when working at a startup? And do I have to be an engineer? Awesome questions. So you don't have to be an engineer. I'm going to answer the last one first because it's easier. You don't have to be an engineer. I have seen administrative assistants who were administrative assistant early enough on that they got a piece of of the pie and they even are attached to that that wealth creation at at the end of the day and are walking away with some decent shares so no you can be you know i I won't say you can be the the staff who works in the 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 cafe as an example because those people are usually contractors but if you're one of those people and you can work your way into right a conversation about it by all means do it but you know the average employee from the lower part of the totem pole to the very top uh, can actually participate in the equity pool uh, at almost any company at this point. So you don't have to be an engineer to participate. Uh, the second part, you said, how do I get uh, equity as part of the conversation? Um, you got to ask for it. That's really that's really it. So one of the things that I always encourage people to focus on when they negotiate this compensation package is not just how much can I get in salary, right? That's important, but there comes a point when enough is enough and every incremental dollar you have them pay you uh, has a diminishing rate of return, right? So you hit, you know, $200,000, let's say, and you live in a place like, you know, New York or, or, or California, where after taxes, again, 50% of that is going out the, out the window, where if I were to, to ask instead for shares in the company, as long as I hold on to those shares for an extra 12 months after you know, they vested and been issued to me, I'm paying now long-term capital gains. So the long-term capital gains tax rate is 20%. My ordinary income tax rate, I just told you, is 50% after state and federal get done with me, right? That's a 30% delta that you've now been able to, to find just by getting paid in that equity versus having them pay it to you in, in actual cash money. So just having a longer vision to be able to see the way the game is played and won will help to uh, keep you know a few people at least from asking for the wrong thing at the wrong time. Do you find 
that younger folks beginning their careers working at startups and tech companies are more and more sophisticated and know to ask for equity versus the larger paycheck? And or if you find those who aren't, who just say they want the bag today, how do you have that conversation with them to convince them that, look, the, the better play here potentially is to take less upfront capital and to go for equity? Yeah, so one of the, the, the challenges that I have as a financial planner is helping people figure out their enough point. That's one of the things that I really like about this work is that I, there's a book that I read and I always recommend to people called Your Money or Your Life. It's the book that's credited with helping to, to launch the FIRE movement, the Financial Independence Retire Early movement. Um, but essentially the, 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 the key tenant of the book is figuring out your enough point, like how much house is enough, how much car is enough, how much vacation is enough, how much, you know, all these things we get on the treadmill and run this race for to constantly be chasing. At some point, enough is enough and you have enough luxury and you have enough like whatever, figuring out what that enough point is and then planning beyond that. And so I always try and help people see the forest for the trees that yes, you could get an extra $20,000 by joining company X, right? But if it means then that you're going to be working 1.2 times as hard, right, to, to, to be uh, kind of specific, what could you be doing with that extra 20% of your time versus the $20,000 that you're going to earn? Because you already make enough money to pay your mortgage, pay your kids daycare, you drive a nice enough car, you live in a nice enough neighborhood, like you're not chasing safety at this point, we're just chasing excess. And so helping people figure out like, enough is enough. And the difference now is pay me an equity instead. And one other negotiating piece that I, I would encourage people to consider is companies are a lot more willing to part with shares of equity than they are with additional cash. If you just think of it from a, the CFO's perspective, right? If I, if I commit to a salary that I owe you, that's every day, every year, that's a line item that goes against the P&L that I got to count for, right? I owe you $200,000, you're asking me for an extra 20, that 20 grand is going against the P&L every year. You ask me for $20,000 worth of shares, that's a totally different equation because those shares are sitting on a spreadsheet somewhere in, in, you know, in, in somebody's like hard drive. They're not an actual thing I've got to hand over to you. So yes, they still have to be accounted for, but we don't hold on to them and keep them as tightly guarded as we would if you were asking for cash. Also, if you're uh, thinking from the HR person's perspective, I got to be able to, to justify why I gave you 220, but the software engineer who sits next to you is getting two. And then the next person who comes in the door is going to want to know uh, what they can actually get as far as cash comp. And now I've got to, do I offer that person 222 because I just gave it to you? Whereas with the shares, it's a little bit different and a little bit more fluid. And I'm speaking broadly, right? Every company is different the way they treat this. But what I've seen and, and also talking to hiring uh, uh, recruit, technical recruiters personally, like they're way more willing to come up off of additional equity shares versus uh, cash money. So for folks who, and obviously the startup side, of the table would understand this, but I want to make sure the engineer, the, the talent, the HR person, the legal person understands this side. The legal people might get it, but let's under, let's just talk about what the cliff means. So if I come in as an engineer and I say, hey, I'm going to give you 100,000 shares with a three-year cliff, mm -hmm. what does that mean? Perfect, perfect setup. 
So uh, the, the cliff vest that you're talking about is how long you have to be at the company before you actually take ownership of those shares. So to, to keep from being too super nerdy or super technical, the IRS and, and the, the company uh, have this trade that happens, which is called constructive receipt. So you have constructively received at the end of a three-year period those shares, which means with it, you also have taken on the tax liability for those shares and, and whatever they're worth at the time. So $100,000 worth of shares, you wait the three years that you have to vest, right? You have to be at the company three years before those shares vest and technically now you own them. At that point, the moment they get issued to you, regardless of whether they're restricted stock or non-qualified stock options or performance share units or whatever, once you take ownership of those shares, you also take ownership of the tax liability. Prior to you taking ownership of the shares, you don't own anything. You also don't own the $100,000, right? Because you don't have the shares, but you don't own the tax liability. So with that additional cash also comes the additional tax liability. So just something to be aware of at, at the exact same time. But to answer your question very specifically, companies as a retention tool will put a time clock on how long they have to be able to get work product out of you before they give you those shares that that uh, kind of gives you your walking papers too, right? If I think about it purely from the company's perspective, I know I've got you on the hook for three years if you've got a three-year vesting requirement. Beyond three years, you're a free agent and every year I got to constantly be doing things and bringing things to you to make you feel good about staying with this team and want to be here, right? But for that three-year period, you're on that, that rookie contract, if you will, if you think about it in terms of the NFL, you're going to play and perform regardless of, of what's happening because you've got to hit that three-year, that number before we can issue you, you know, the, 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 the shares. That's good for me to know and plan around as the company. So that's something to also kind of think about. They'll also issue you uh, shares, not only as, as vesting uh, based on uh, tenure, but also as a retention tool. So you get past that three-year window, maybe I'm worried that, that somebody is going to come poach you, right? Tech companies are a bit incestuous at this point about stealing talent from one place to the next and the same people kind of moving every three years or so. And so one way that I can keep you from making that jump is to offer you additional shares as a retention bonus every single year that you stay. And maybe those shares just have to, you gotta be here one year after you get them in order for them to vest, or there's no vesting timetable on them. Those are all things you wanna know and negotiate going in the door so that you can give yourself the most flexibility and freedom to be able to maneuver however you want to and still get you know, the majority uh, of those shares, if not all of them, uh, before making any other moves. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. 
We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I do have people watching the chat on Facebook and Lunch Table. So if you do have questions, I want to make sure I get to those. Um, so make sure, so feel free to drop your questions in the chat and we will um, get to as many of them as we can. And in the meantime, going down that road of vesting periods and cliffs and et cetera, I wonder if, let's say this remarkable opportunity happens, you know, which is doesn't happen all the time, but you give me a hundred thousand shares on day one. Mm-hmm. I have a two year, let's just to, just to get easy math, a two year vesting period. So I can't get my full amount of shares for that two years. In that two years time, those shares go to the moon. So these are Google numbers, Apple numbers, Amazon numbers, Facebook numbers. So I'm on paper, super duper wealthy mm-hmm. on paper but I don't have any of that liquid cash. How does my life change in the meantime while, or how could it change in the meantime, or does it? So uh, two separate answers, cause that goes two separate ways, right? So if you're talking, I work for a private company, I work for a startup and they've made an announcement that they plan to go public at some point, right? Uh, I'm thinking about uh, DoorDash as a really good example of this. Tons of people who started at different rates. COVID happens. Those shares are now going to be to the moon, like you said, because like all of a sudden DoorDash is posting the best numbers they've ever posted. Nobody in the company is doing any work anymore because everybody's imagination is flying around. <laughs> I'm going to be like super, super wealthy because I'm going to get those shares and I'm going to go buy this beach house. And I'm going to, and I mean, literally like can't get anybody off Zillow, can't get anybody off Web. <laughs> everybody's spending that money. But there's also this thing called a lockup where you've got to wait six, depending on where you are in the food chain, right? The hierarchy and how close you are to privileged information. There's also this thing called a lockup where you've got to wait six months after the company goes public before you can do anything. So those shares could come crashing back down to earth in that time before you're legally allowed to sell anything because they don't want you moving the stock price around, which I have seen happen, unfortunately. But also uh, to your point with a publicly traded company, 
like a Facebook or an Amazon or a Google or whoever who's going on this run, the more advantageous way to work out your uh, equity grants is to have them coming to you on a monthly basis instead of annually for that reason right there. So if I get a new uh, uh, tranche is the word that we use or slice or whatever of shares that come to me every single month, then as the price is doing what it does, I can plan my own life around what else I need to do financially and whether I'm going to sell this month or not. If I've got to wait an entire year to make that sell or hold decision, then I'm at the mercy of wherever the company is in that moment. It may not even make a difference with a company like Amazon, like you said, who can't seem to go but in one direction. But for a company who does take a very nasty dip at some point, I'm kind of at the mercy of whatever the market does. And so developing that plan in advance of when and how to sell is going to be super helpful to turn you from a paper millionaire, as you're saying, into an actual millionaire, as in exchanging those certificates for actual dollars at some point so that you can take some chips off the table and not just kind of follow the ticker wherever it takes you. What typically happens in, in, in a tech company specific, let's, let's say just companies across the board um, mm -hmm. where equity is involved and they go public or they sell or otherwise and early employees don't get a financial windfall. What typically happened? Um, that's a tough one, man. Uh, people get real stingy around liquidity events. Um, you know, founders start trying to renegotiate their founder shares. Uh, you have key employees that aren't satisfied with their contract the way it was initially written and where they sit on the cap table when they look at their slice versus others, like those kind of things. It gets, it gets kind of ugly, honestly, at some point. Um, the short answer to your question is if you aren't on that cap table before the liquidity event happens, you're probably not going to get on it. Um, what does happen in some cases where you are valuable enough to the company that they're worried about like hurting your feelings and they're worried about losing you is you can get a, a, a gross up as we call it, where they issue you a one-time uh, bonus allotment of shares to make you whole as they say, so that you feel like you're included and you're participating, but, those shares are not going to have the same uh, uh, value is not the word that I want to I want to use. It, it's not going to have the same like sweetness to it as the folks that were there on day one, two, three, 10, 20, you know, that kind of thing. Because even with like incentive stock options, as an example, that have a bit of a look back kind of feature, they allow you to look at yesterday's price and decide if you're going to uh, sell it now and take today's price as your your exchange value. Uh, even if I were to grant you incentive stock options at today's price, you're not going to get that super low basis that somebody got who started with the company 10 years ago when it was literally in somebody's living room. What are, what would you say are like the top three to five things a startup employee mm -hmm. should be paying attention to in their work contracts regarding compensation? Know what happens to your shares if and when the company uh, has a liquidity event. That's huge. Uh, to your point about people dancing around excited because they're about to be a millionaire, some people don't realize that if the company sells, X happens, right? There's a lot of SPACs happening right now. The word SPAC is flying around all over the place. And a lot of people's equity agreement doesn't include language around what happens if the company changes hands, what happens if there's a change of ownership, 
before the IPO. So that's the major one, but also like knowing the schedule of when your, your shares vest, right? So you don't walk away on accident and leave some chips on the table. Um, that's what we call the forfeit value. What happens if you forfeit those shares? Um, also setting a plan for when and how to get out of those shares, because until you actually trigger a sale, you're only a millionaire on paper. So, you know, deciding how much and when to sell is a very big key component in there. Um, also understanding that uh, just because you're inside of your vesting table, your vesting timetable, doesn't mean that other companies won't match you to make you whole, right? Give you some shares to match what you uh, would stand to lose from the company you're considering leaving to entice you to move sooner. So I've seen that happen where I'm gonna use two completely made up examples. Google wants to pull a employee from Amazon. Google will say, instead of you waiting the extra year and a half for your shares to vest, we're gonna match the shares that you would lose and give you an extra 10% on top of that to get you to leave today instead. So don't be afraid to ask, don't be afraid to ask questions because you'd be surprised like what people are willing to, to how flexible people are willing to get you know, to, to make it happen. You asked me for five. I don't know if that was five, but three to five, three to five. You, you, you got that. You got there. Um, you know, not everybody's going to be a founder and, um, talk to me about some of the benefits that could be uniquely available to senior level people mm -hmm. at a startup. Um, whether I'm coming on as a chief operating officer, I'm coming, like, what are some things outside of equity as part of my benefits package if I'm on the career trajectory, should I be paying attention to? So one super unique thing, uh, and this is not me like toot my own horn, but we have uh, companies as clients who pay for financial planning on behalf of their senior leaders. They don't give that to everybody across the board. So you are COO and you step into now the company's accountant is now your accountant. The company's financial advisor is now your financial advisor. Uh, the company may even comp you a car, right? Because I can I can have a corporate lease and, and assign it to you. Um, your your travel budget starts to look a little bit different. Um, all those kind of things are are different and unique to not even necessarily just the C-suite. I've seen it at the director level, the senior vice president level, that sort of thing. Um, but also, real quick, you you said not just equity, but as far as equity is concerned, your shares look different too in the C-suite or at the, the senior director level. So incentive stock options are usually held just for the super top of the organization chart. Everybody else gets what's called restricted stock units. Those have two completely different tax treatments in the way that you can actually plan around them and ultimately what how valuable they are. So that's another difference that, that gets thrown in there between the two tiers of employee. And um. I want to talk about retirement accounts and how important they are to because we, we, we have so many conversations around funding startups because we have this big disparity with, you know, black minority owned women owned startups being funded. How can they if they can retirement accounts be used to put some early capital into starting my thing. Really glad you asked that. So I normally will see people take out a loan from the company that the 401k plan the company they work for use that loan to, to get access to capital to start the company. When you leave the company, that outstanding loan gets turned into a distribution, which means ordinary income tax treatment, right? So you're paying taxes on that distribution, or you could just straight up say, 
kick me the cash. I'm going to pay the taxes on it. And it is what it is. And I'm going to use it to start the company. But there's actually uh, plans out there within the tax code that allow you to convert those shares in that, you know, your investment in the company into uh, shares in the company you're starting. So instead of being invested in the S&P 500 index in your 401k plan, you now have a 401k plan that is your new company, shares of the company that you started, that you're investing now back into the company. It's why you probably saw the article from ProPublica about Peter Thiel having a $5 billion Roth IRA funded from PayPal stock. It's because he had really great lawyers 20 years ago when they started the company that told him, don't take that money out of your 401k plan to start you know, the shop. Sell yourself shares of PayPal, convert your 401k uh, uh, dollars into shares of PayPal. And then as they grow, they live inside this Roth IRA, which you'll never pay taxes on. So there are other ways to, to, to use your 401k assets other than taking a direct distribution and like paying the taxes today and, you know, hoping for the best going forward. Malcolm, where can people learn more about you and your work? Uh, I'm at Malcolm on money on all social media platforms. I encourage them to check out the tech money podcast. Um, we go into a lot more detail on these kinds of topics, you know, with, with tons more time. So those are the two main places I would say to, to, to find me. I'm also heavy on LinkedIn. So happy to spark up a conversation there too. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It was produced by Morgan DeBarn and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Marissa Lewis. Special thank you to Micah Davis and Sakara Savanyan, you know, like the wine. Yes, that's his real name. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. The video version of this episode will drop the Black Tech Green Money on YouTube next week, so tap in. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? Leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Go get your money. Peace and love. You dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. AT&T connects and old to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. 
Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.